Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Get the applicants you need faster and for free at LinkedIn Jobs. John Garcia, Jr., Director of Football Recruiting at Sports Illustrated, joining me once again. And John, we got athletes at the 40. Texas receives their 24th commitment this cycle from the Waco Connolly athlete Jelani McDonald. He can play some linebacker. He can play some corner. He can play some wide receiver. He can play some quarterback. He can play football. What do you like about the newest Texas signee, Jelani McDonald, out of Waco Connolly? It's that. It's that he can do a little bit of everything. And when you project that defensively, which is where we think he'll begin his UT career, it's really advantageous, right? You can line him up at linebacker. You can line him up on the edge. He can be your hybrid nickel linebacker, nickel DB type of prospect and can attack going downhill or help you out underneath uh, in his own coverage aspect. I mean, I've seen him running with Cordell Russell, the TCU wide receiver signing down at the All-American Bowl, uh, stride for stride. I mean, so he can run with legitimate wide receiver one type candidates while being big, fast, and strong enough to come downhill and, and rush the passer from a pure sense. So that versatility is relatively rare. Uh, you do have another player like that in Darian Gallette, which I think is – you talk about pairing those guys, and now you've got two players who you can legitimately move throughout your second level into your third level if need be. So having those guys come in in the same class is going to be really fun to track both wherever the heck they line up and how that develops over time. So uh, I'm a big fan of McDonald. He's one of those guys that the more you watch him, the more you dig into it, the more you really like him. And that's kind of how his recruitment went, right? I mean, he was an OK State commit coming into the season and then the more people saw him everybody started to jump on board during the 2022 season including texas including tcu after that verbal commitment was made and that was the three finalists right so do, do you stick with okie state you go to texas or you roll with, with tcu um which is a you know all of a sudden a really nice recruiting win just from an opponent perspective for texas right i mean six months ago you wouldn't have called a head-to-head -head win over tcu a big deal but it feels a little bit different nowadays, especially with what they're doing on the on the recruiting trail and in the portal relative to what they're doing, of course, on the field. So a huge win uh, for UT. And again, another chess piece, a Swiss Army knife for that defensive class that has continued to stack up with that offensive group. Again, I'm still fascinated by going back to the summer and saying, hey, Arch is in. Here we go with the offensive commits. And yes, that still happened. But defensively, Texas has been tit for tat in terms of trying to balance out this class. Uh, you hit the, the biggest needs uh, at the end of the cycle with those edge prospects, heavy on the interior defensively. And now you're sprinkling in just some wild cards uh, like McDonald who can do so many different things. So I love the balance of this class. I love the close of this class defensively, which, again, is not something I thought I would say six months ago when we saw the hype train rolling with Arch and the offensive guys. You mentioned Darion Gallette, and we're probably going to see a lot of Jelani McDonald at linebacker. So how do you see him fitting in with some of the other linebackers in this class, namely at the top, Anthony Hill, Samaj Burrell, Leonardo LaFowle, Darion Gallette kind of as a hybrid, and then Jelani McDonald as a hybrid himself? 
Yeah, well, obviously with Hill, I think he's, you know, your classic Mike Backer. I think he's a guy who will captain your defense, put you know, patrol the middle, come downhill and support the run and, and let the other guys, you know, handle the rest of it. Uh, so naturally, I think there's a lot of flexibility beyond him in the middle going forward. Uh, I mentioned earlier Gallette uh, and now McDonald are, are your hybrid types. I think everyone else fits a little bit more of a niche role. Uh, whether they're a Sam strong linebacker type or will off ball coverage type at that same line. And that's the mark of a great program, right? Bringing in that variance to where, like we talked about last year, Hey, Texas brought in an entire offensive line, one through five, ready to start in theory, right? I think you've done that same thing at the linebacker position with even more versatility in that some of these guys could legitimately develop into pure pass rushers to support um, Vasek and Akana and the rest of the edge guys that you brought in, or they can maintain that second level status and, and become full-time linebackers within a specific role. So I, I think there's a versatility for a lot of those guys other than Hill, where I think he's just, he's just so solid. His floor is so high as an interior downhill type. I don't think you're going to mess with that too much in projecting him to the next level. Almost all those other guys, you can move them around to a degree, whether it's Sam and Will or linebacker and edge, or even in the case of Gallette and now McDonald, you can throw them in the secondary in a pinch and, and feel good about your chances. And that's, again, as a defensive coordinator, those are the chess pieces and Swiss Army knives you want to be able to have to move around given you know a question mark of depth or inexperience. Those are the guys that help you win in those margins. And obviously Texas and every school needs that uh, going into the future with all the crazy offenses and variants we see from, from an offensive standpoint. You just mentioned you just mentioned a lot of the value on the defensive side that is brought in this 2023 class and this 2023 class is one of the best to date on the 40 as somebody that covers recruiting in and out how would you compare this 2023 class at the 40 acres to some of the previous texas recruiting classes yeah i looked back a little this morning uh, thanks thanks to your notes there i knew this question was coming and let me tell you uh, this class blows most of the other texas groups out of the water i mean look last year I would take that offensive line haul over almost any of any school. So that that group, I think, stands alone. But you, you can find those small victories relative to this class. But overall, from a balance standpoint, from a star power standpoint, this one's going to be really tough to beat. You know, uh, 21, obviously, at the very top, you have Sanders and Worthy. That's excellent at the top, but a lot of you know, question marks uh, thereafter. Obviously, the Bijan class had Bijan, so that one probably gets the kudos just because of that, um, 2019 was good on paper, top three class, but a lot of those guys transferred and kind of didn't work out. But you go to the class before that, 2018, that's the one where I think you could start to say, okay, if there is a challenger, and let me let me make sure I say this, on paper, I'll take this 23 class over all of these. But on paper, you start to look at 2018, you're like, okay, we have a contender. Let me read off some of the names. Caden Stearns. B.J. Foster, Demarion Overshone, Anthony Cook, uh, Josh Moore was great for a long time. Deshaun Jameson was in that class. Keandre Coburn was in that class. Osai was in that class. I mean, the quarterbacks alone were interesting. Cam Rising, still yeah. doing it at Utah, and Casey Thompson, who was really important for a period of time at UT. And you even had Dicker the kicker in that class. So that group was really filled out uh, and had a lot of star power at the top and a lot of guys who were highly coveted who kind of lived up to it at Texas. So that's really the only question mark, of course, we have with this 23 class. 
because a lot of coveted guys, a lot of star power at the top of it, how will they make that transition? While that remains to be seen, I would still take that group over all these others uh, coming into UT. I, I just think, again, as we talked about earlier, you knew the offensive emergence was coming as soon as Arch jumped in. That box was checked, right? Arguably the number one slot receiver in Jonte Cook. You got the number one running back in Cedric Baxter, Arch Manning, great offensive line, nice uh, centerpieces beyond that with, with Niblet and some of these others that have jumped on board. DeAndre Moore, big time player uh, at receiver as well. But defensively, that's again, that's where I go back to with this Texas class. This could have been an offensive heavy group and it would have still been top five and it would still been talked about at a very high level. But when you balance out on defense and maybe have a better class on defense from a from an entire perspective, I think you start to feel really good about about the future because that's, again, the side of the ball where there's a lot more question marks. So you fill out a huge defensive line class, huge need, right? You got your big interior guy and Sidir Mitchell and some other players to balance out thereafter, including some some really elite edge prospects. We've talked about the linebacker group at length today. And this secondary class is really strong as well. I mean, Malik Muhammad was great at Under Armour Week, had the highlight of the week with that one-handed interception. And y'all know how I feel about Derek Williams as one of the top two or three safeties in this class. So you've got kind of your centerpiece at every position defensively with depth and variance and versatility beyond that at every position. So that combined with this Arch Manning led offensive class is really hard to beat in theory. I think a lot of these guys, maybe half the class is going to have a shot to crack the rotation relatively early in their career. Like as underclassmen, I think half of this class will start or, or make that too deep, which is just not something we say about great programs. Um, and the trajectory of Texas is headed in that direction still. Uh, so I'm really excited to see how this group assimilates because on paper, to me, this is their best class in the modern era. Yeah, big praise for the 2023 class. I want to ask you before we get into our last question about the expectations for next season. You talked about that 2018 class, and we've now seen pretty much the impact that they left on the 40 acres. How do you ultimately decide the success of a recruiting class? Well, I think star power is a big part of it, right? You know, we 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 fall into the trap. I do this all the time. We fall into the trap of looking at a class and saying, well, is this, you know, a group of offensive and defensive starters that you've put together here? And, and yeah, that's the goal. But it, it's really from a talent acquisition standpoint, it's really unattainable. There is no school that has a group of 20 starters in one recruiting class. It's just not especially now, it's just really not possible. Because even if you have your early guys who who emerge, the rest of those guys are buried in the depth chart or taking longer to transition. So what do they do? They hit the portal. They get disgruntled. There's injuries. I mean, there's so many factors that can whittle away your recruiting class. So I think we used to say, can, you, can this class be a, a, a team, right? Can you be in three years or four years, can you be a full, you know, starting 22 in theory? We can't do that anymore. I think we have to look at the star power at the very top of it, the development beyond that star power, and then the winning. I mean, I think it comes down to that as well. And I think that's where you feel better about the trajectory of the 23 group than the results from that 18 group, where, again, the star power was there uh, and the winning was there in spots, but not from a consistent basis. And I think that's where we expect a little bit more from this class of 23, hitting the ground running in the meantime, right? It's, that's an, another part of it, right? How many guys are seeing the field soon where you can start to make some of those judgments as opposed to looking at it uh, five years down the line in this case with that 2018 class and saying, oh, yeah, well, 
yeah, this group had a little bit of this, but not enough of that. So I, I view it more now from a winning perspective and a star power perspective than a, hey, is this a whole team down the line perspective? Because that element seems – and this is not just a Texas issue. This is an issue for you know Georgia and Alabama and Michigan and everyone else. There's just not a class that stays that long anymore. I mean, some of these kids – across the country enrolling this week at their schools of choice will be in the portal within 12 months, maybe within six, maybe within three at the end of spring ball. So it's really hard to judge a class from an all encompassing standpoint today compared to even five years ago because of the portal and because of how much fluidity is just expected and a part of, of the process nowadays. Yeah. I talk about that all the time, that 2018 Georgia class that really set the foundation for their national championship team. But if you looked at it that day, there was a key member of that class that didn't have a key impact at Georgia, and that was Justin Fields. Right? So you want to talk about this 2023 class for Texas. It has plenty of potential for star power with Arch Manning, Jonte Cook, and Cedric Baxter at the top. And with a strong 2023 class coming into the 40 acres, coming off of an eight and five season in Steve Sarkeesian's second year, as somebody that's on the outside looking into this Texas program, what are your expectations for the Longhorns next season? they've got to be to take the next step. Uh, I think a lot of us thought they would take it this year. Um, personally, I underestimated the depth of the Big 12. I think we all maybe did because that thing was 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 nip and tuck, right? Uh, a lot of programs outperformed expectations with the most glaring example, of course, being TCU. So going into next season, the Horn Frogs will, will be – gun for in that regard but again you got to feel good about texas right uh obviously you've got a returning quarterback which is really <laughs> we haven't had that conversation to deal with comfortably surrounding texas although we all know in the off season once you know arch is there now i think he yeah rolled on in, yeah. Yeah. yeah now it's going to be can arch take uh take quinn's job beyond that you know there is some stability and comfort at the quarterback position which is not something Texas fans have enjoyed since Sam Ellinger. So I do think that already sets the bar higher from an expectation standpoint. And here's the other thing. Talent acquisition is great. This is one of the best classes in America. And the portal's still out there, right? There's still some room to adjust this judgment. And you just expect Texas to be able to splash in that regard, much like they, they did last offseason. So again, offensively, the expectations are going to be sky high, right? This is a stacked group. Uh, these young offensive linemen will have developed a little bit more and skill position players have rarely been the issue at UT, even when you're replacing a legend like Bijan Robinson. Defensively, again, more talent on board and guys who are, in my opinion, more equipped to hit the ground running in, in the modern scheme. And that's where, again, I'm looking at this class to have a really big influence. I think more defensive players see the field out of the gates than offensive players in this class. Really offensively, I think Baxter's the safest bet to jump on the field, Cook and, and those slots probably thereafter. But defensively, could you really have a hard time imagining a Malik Muhammad cracking the rotation, a Derek Williams, an Anthony Hill, Colton Vasek cracking the rotation. It really doesn't take you a lot of imagination to get to those points. So I think that's the group where we expect them to start to influence a little bit more. And again, the portal's still out there on defense as well. So I, I think the expectations are surely to jump up. You've got to win double-digit games to me. I think that's really the bar. Oklahoma's down. Um, 
TCU can't be as good, right? I mean, that's just conventionally, even though they're crushing the portal and recruiting in their own right, but not to the level of UT. And then there's a lot of question marks thereafter in the Big 12, right? Uh, what does Kansas State look like? All, all these experienced players are gone, led by Deuce Vaughn. Okie State, Spencer Sanders surprisingly hit the portal, right? What does that look like? Baylor. Half the team hit the portal for Oklahoma State. Oh, yeah. Receiver, I saw a receiver literally today just hit the portal again. Um, Baylor doesn't look and feel the same as they did in 2021. Uh, they're scrambling to a, a certain degree. Uh, Kansas was a great story. Can they maintain and improve? That remains to be seen. I, I just think the Big 12 um, has a lot of question marks that – don't necessarily have that same arrow pointing up the way Texas seemingly does. Um, and that's that's following a 22 season where some games were left on the table. I mean, your audience knows that better than I do. So um, eight wins should should challenge for 10 or better in uh, 2023, uh, especially if there is a comfort there at the quarterback position. I, I think how Sarkeesian handles this Arch Manning Quinn Ewers dynamic will be fascinating. Uh, he's had to do it before with high-profile quarterbacks going back to his Washington and USC days, certainly uh, again at Alabama. Uh, but I think how he handles kind of those expectations will be key for Quinn's next step. Because uh, remember, first-year starter, even with all the hype relative to Arch Manning. So I think if that is handled correctly, which you get the sense it will be, I think this team is is really on the up and ups for for a nice improvement in 23. They should be ranked in the preseason. To me, it's a top 15, top 20 type of class, right? Or school right out of the gates uh, in those rankings. But depending on how the portal shapes up and spring ball, I think this could be a top 10-ish program when we open up 2023. Uh, but that's just me. Yeah, we have all offseason to Sark expectations, but right now I feel like in year three for Sark has to be 10 wins, Big 12 championship for Buzz. John Garcia, Jr., Director of Football Recruiting at Sports Illustrated, joining me once again. Hook him. Peace.